going live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Well, good morning, beloved. Welcome today to Bible study time here with Rick Bonfim Ministries. I'm Gene Thomas wishing you well on this this day of, well, this is the day of Monday, Thursday in the life of the church. We are in Holy Week, and um, I don't want to neglect that in passing. It's a day when we remember the Last Supper and our Lord's journey to the cross. So let me begin with a prayer that that, that has a bearing on that. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are the light and life of every soul, my only source of hope. Grant that in this time of worship, we may experience your transforming power that prepares us for the ministry of this day. We pray for the church, Lord, that you will make her strong and true. For others in our family, those that we love this day, and for ourselves, that we will be strong and of a sacred heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here we are. We're working today on Paul's letter to the Hebrews. We always say that, say Paul's letter, when we don't really know that for sure. We know it's an anonymous, anonymous treatise that was said to encourage Jewish Christians around the Mediterranean. Exactly where we don't know, but we know that the love of God is appealing to those of the Hebrew persuasion through the words of this gentle writer. Uh, it's a, I'm going to read it to you. It's, you'll find Hebrews, if you find Hebrews and look at chapter 3, I'd like to read that to you from the Living Bible. Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, dear brothers, whom God has set apart for himself, you who are chosen from heaven, I want you to think now about Jesus, who is God's messenger and the high priest of our faith. For Jesus was faithful to God, who appointed him high priest, just as Moses also faithfully served in God's house. But Jesus is far more glory than Moses, just as a man who builds a fine home gets more praise than his house does. And many people can build houses, but only God made everything. Well, Moses did a fine job working in God's house, but He was only a servant, and his work mostly to illustrate and suggest those things that would happen later on. But Christ, God's faithful Son, is in complete charge of God's house, and we Christians are God's house. 
He lives in us. If we keep on our courage firm to the end. And our joy and our trust in the Lord. And since Christ is much superior, the Holy Spirit warns us to listen to him. To be careful and to hear his voice today. And not let our hearts become set against him as the people of Israel did. They steeled themselves against his love and complained against him in the desert while he was testing them. But God was patient with them. Forty years, though they tried his patience and sorely, he kept right on doing his mighty miracles for them to see. But God says, I was very angry with them, for their hearts were always looking somewhere else instead of up to me. And they never found the paths I wanted them to follow. Then God, full of his anger against them, bound himself up with an oath that he would never let them come to his place of rest. Beware then of your own hearts, dear brothers, lest you find that they too are evil and unbelieving and are leading you away from the living God. Speak to each other about these things every day while there is still time so that none of you may become hardened against God, being blinded by the glamour of sin. For if you are faithful to the end, trusting God, just as we did when we first became Christians, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. And now's the time. Never forget the warning. Today, if you hear God's voice speaking to you, do not harden your hearts against him, as the people of Israel did when they rebelled in the desert. And who were these people I speak of who heard God's voice speaking to them but then rebelled against him? They were the ones who came out of Egypt with Moses, their leader. And who was it who made God angry for all those 40 years? These same people who sinned and as a result died in the wilderness. And to whom was God speaking when he swore an oath that they could never go into the land he'd promised his people? He was speaking to all those who disobeyed him. And why couldn't they go in? Because they didn't trust him. And there ends a reading of the third chapter of the book of Hebrews. As we get our thoughts together this morning to look at the verses we hear now what the main subject is. What I, what I basically am going to talk about is Jesus or the Christ. Our apostle from God. You see now this passage 
is beginning to direct itself directly toward the target of the mission. It's clear from the direction of these thoughts that the mission is to display Jesus, but now the target becomes clearer. We see that the target is actually people who are of a Hebrew mind. They are the people who are called Jewish Christians. They are the people who are called even perhaps by Jew, but they are in fact have been exposed to something of Jesus. And now you hear Paul or some writer hammering down on on what it means to in fact be a Christian and have a deep, rich, powerful understanding of what we call the Old Testament. When in that day, this was the only testament. See, they were working with the text of the Torah and they understood things that we've long forgotten, like the presence and the necessity of a high priest. Because the temple, unless it had been torn down by the time this was written, and many think so, the high priest was in fact a significant personage, both in the deep Old Testament and in the day that this text and letter is written. The high priest. That connection between earth and God. In the Old Testament, you know the story of Moses. You see here, Jesus is being compared to Moses. Why would they do such a thing? It was to encourage the acceptance of a new high priest. This Jesus had now come to be our new high priest. So he is an apostle from God. Apostle. He's pictured that way. He's he's given to us and presented to us in the apostolic way. Have you seen the movie with uh, Robert Duvall called The Apostle? <laughs> I, I encourage you to look at it because it's a, a, a wonderful story about a man who sins deeply and continues on with his ministry in another place. He goes from a high church, high Pentecostal church, where he's thrown out because of his evil deeds, and he goes and finds a small place somewhere and just ministers to his heart. It's a beautiful story. Jesus is sort of like that in this text. He comes down from his glory. He comes down from his high church like an apostle with our sin on him. And comes into our world to worship and dance and pray so that we can all see him. And here, where we are, here, where you are, here, 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 he is sent to us. Now the writer is trying to get these people on board with this. He's human in a sense. you got to understand that the humanity of Jesus was extremely important to this text, to this, and to these people. 
because it was no problem with the, the, to let Jesus be divine. You wouldn't bother nobody if, he, if he's in heaven, locked up there, sitting at the right hand of God. That's that's cool, you know. <laughs> you know, he's got so much to worry about, he ain't thinking about me. You heard that story before, too. But the truth is, they bring him down here. The writer supports the fact that he's come down here as a human. Now, every church usually has two candles on its altar, and that's that's a significant reason for that. One represents the humanity of Jesus. The other represents the divinity of Jesus. So that when you look at the altar or the table of the Lord especially, then you're going to see two candles on it, expressing that whether the preacher knows anything about it or not, that's what it where it goes back to. You've got to have two. Two. Humanity and divinity. This is the one I'm talking about. The humanity of Jesus. Therefore, he calls us brother, this text says. He isn't ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. You know, i got a brother. I'm not ashamed of him. I love him. Have you got a brother or a sister? Maybe you don't. But the understanding of that is far greater than just the family. I've got a lot of brothers, Christian brothers, that I love just as good as you can imagine. That's why I think, you know, uh, it's great to have visions of God that include others being close to you. A brotherhood, a sisterhood, beyond that even, that where, where brothers and sisters come together as a beautiful family of God. Whether brother or sister, we are together. I think that's sweet, see. The divine apostle sent him here to a redeemed community. He's on a mission from God, this apostle. Not just for individuals now. It's important that the salvation process of this apostle includes more than just personal salvation. It includes a whole household of people, a whole bunch of folk gathered together, a whole community. This is a gracious priest, a high priest, who we are admonished to fix our gaze on him and meditate on him, this lost art of meditation. Surely, surely we must recover that again. We had one beautiful Years ago, forms of Christian meditation. I, I brought this little book. I read from it. This is a form of Christian meditation. It's just daily devotions and scripture readings all throughout the year. A hymn is selected. A prayer is made. But it's a daily focus on God. That's a, a form of a meditation. There are others. But this is one you can get from the upper room in Nashville, and that's when I had here. It's called A Guide to Prayer by Reuben Job Norman Shawchuck. Upper Room, Sunday Scripture Readings from a New Common Lectionary. Just pick it up, get it online somewhere, get it. be real helpful to you. Well, the gracious gaze of the high priest. We have lost the art of meditation, and given it up largely to the Eastern tradition, uh, uh, Far Eastern tradition, which is not such a good idea. But the Eastern Orthodox 
beat us to the punch on this a little bit too because they have a wonderful, wonderful aspect of the, the Jesus of the Bible. They're not afraid of pictures of him. They're not afraid of, 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 of icons to him. They're not afraid of fully expressing him in light and image. But God and Moses in Jesus are comparative here. You get glimpses of it in the gospel. Jesus goes up on a mountain, you know, to preach and pray and comes down from mountains all the time. He, he, he exhibits characteristics of Moses calling to bring his people out of bondage into freedom. Both want to do that. Both go about doing that. But Moses is temporary, see? And he's making that clear. Moses is, is, is temporary, but Christ Christ Jesus is eternal. See? Oh, two candles. Oh, Moses, he's, he's, he's human. Jesus, he's divine. But look, sitting on the altar. Who's up? See? Jesus, now, is human and divine. Moses, he loved God. See? Ain't no question about that. I mean, I, some of the stuff Moses did in that Bible scares me near about to death. You read numbers. I was reading numbers last night when I went to bed. And in numbers, as a man on, on the trail, on the trail of temptation from, from Egypt to the promised land, who one day gets, takes it into his head to look for firewood. And I don't blame him for that, but he did it on the Sabbath day. And the folk caught him gathering firewood on the Sabbath day. And you let the poor old man alone. He's probably just trying to keep warm or keep his family warm. That's what I thought, you know. But no, they put him in jail. Aaron said, the high priest at the time, Aaron said, put him in jail for a while and we'll, 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 we'll give it consideration. So they put this man in jail. They walked, oh, here come Moses. Moses said, oh no, oh no. The law says you gotta kill him. So they drug that man out of that jail, took him back in the back there somewhere and stoned him to death. See? What you gonna do with a text like that Sunday morning? Beats the heck out of me. But Moses is human, human. And that text has a human quality to it. It don't sound like Jesus. It don't sound like that at all. It's kind of deathly obedience. Well, you think through it. But Moses, you see, he loved God enough to that, for that, and to make room for that. You make room for obedience, yeah, but when you get disobedience, and you stand up against it, oh, like Moses did? Wow, man alive. Moses loved God, but Jesus. Jesus is God. Now, that's what this text is trying to do. Moses loved God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not God. Jesus is God. This Christ is to his come. With an attitudinal adjustment to forgiveness. That goes beyond the power of disobedience. See, you can't out sin the Savior. Anything you bury at the foot of his cross, it ain't well for you to think you can dig it up anymore. It's there for good. And I got so much stuff buried around the cross of Jesus, it looks like a covered up junk pile. Because the Lord is good. He not only forgives you of your sin, but he takes away the power of it. 
You understand? The power of sin comes when you keep rehashing it over and over and over again. Well, I did this, and I did that. Not because I did this, and I did that. I'm no good at all for anything at all. And what the, and the devil says, yes, that's right, that's right, that's right. And it's wrong. If Jesus has saved you, you're flat saved. Oh, I, you know, you can sin away all that stuff, but at the same time, you know where to put it. At the foot of the cross, it's supposed to be gone forever. Well, that's the story there this morning. On, and it's interesting to make note that to exalt Jesus is not to denigrate Moses. That's important. He did it in such a way that this word made it so that the Christian life is, is, is like a form of pilgrimage or as a set of pilgrims. In this movie by the apostle, you will see that this is a journey, a journey for this man, a journey toward redemption through punishment. We all have had our wilderness times in life. Therefore, like the Israelites, we must hold fast as we march along to the promised land. A word from the present is redemption is possible. So we trudge along with Jesus. Do not turn away from the living God and fall into apostasy. Well, that's our story for today. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful story. In there, in chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, Jesus, who is God's messenger and the high priest of our faith. We talked about that. Just as Moses faithfully served in God's house, so now Jesus comes far more glory than Moses. In verse 3, his work was mostly to illustrate and suggest those things that would happen later on. But Christ, God's faithful Son, is in complete charge of God's house. And we Christians are God's house. He lives in us. If we keep our courage faithful to the end and our joy and our trust in the Lord. Later there, in verse 7 and 8, And since Christ is so much superior, the Holy Spirit warns us to listen to it. It's power in that. Holy Spirit isn't always just to get you charged up. Sometimes it brings with it the deepest contrition you will ever feel in your life. As the Holy Spirit warns you to listen to God and and come to God. But... You know, the Israelites in the wilderness, they steeled themselves, it says in the Bible, and complained against him. Our danger of complaining is, is big in the Bible here. But person also around the, the joy of patience and learning patience. See, the journey to the promised land is connected now with the Christian life. Do we have the glamour of sin? Sin sometimes is, seems pretty, but it's all Makeup. It's all just, just paint. Somebody said uh, religion is some kind, some forms of religion that's spread around the world. 
all around the world, one inch deep. How, how deep is your faith in God? How deep is it? They rebelled against him in the desert. We rebel against him every day, right at home, right, in, right at work. Biggest rebels you ever saw. You feel any contrition for that? That's what these re-hearers re of this letter were beginning to feel. He was speaking to those, you see, who disobeyed him. And they were worried then about whether or not they could ever even reach the promised land, much less enter into it. And why? Why, why couldn't they? Because this letter said, you don't trust him. That's why. Well, perhaps today, as we close our word from Hebrews chapter 3, you might ask yourself, O pilgrim, O pilgrim, O pilgrim, why, why, why do you struggle so? Because you don't trust him. So you see, there we are. The apostle comes through for us again. The apostolic message here of Christ as an apostle. Like a great high preacher. Preaching till you're scolding you. Making you remind that the sinner. Why don't you come to, to the altar of the Lord? Can you not hear and see that Jesus calling? Oh, give it up. Give up your sin. Follow me with obedience and come to me. Run to me. Hasten to me. That's the word of the third chapter of the book of Hebrews. I'll return now to the guide for today on Monday, Thursday. And bring you up to speed here with a great old hymn of the church. An anonymous hymn. We don't know who wrote it. Just like many things in the Bible we think we do, but we really don't. This old sacred head now wounded, with grief and shame weighed down, now scornfully surrounded with thorns, thine only crown. How pale thou art with anguish, with sore abuse and scorn. How does this visage language, language, which once was bright, is mourned? Was thou, my Lord, has suffered? Was all for sinners gain? Mine, mine was the transgression, but thine the deadly pain. Lo, here I fall, my Savior. Tis I deserve thy place. Look on me with thy favor. Vouchsafe to me thy grace. What language shall I borrow? To thank thee, dearest friend, for this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end. Oh, make me thine forever. And should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love for thee. Amen. Amen, beloved, to that. And I wish you well, and God be with you this day as you go through Life with the Apostle Jesus, talking to you, blessing you, reminding you of his love. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Hoje a minha alma põe em mim o aroma de Jesus. Lírio dos vales cresce em beleza, força e luz. Rosa de Sarol queima a impureza do meu ser. Brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver